0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the NFL Roadshow, counting down the days to Super Bowl 55 with the Chiefs and Bucks on the practice field this week, getting ready for the big game still over a week away, which means we will not have NFL football this weekend, but we will have football, the 72nd annual Senior Bowl taking place this week in Mobile, Alabama, more important than ever because there really isn't a combine this year, so it's not only the unofficial kickoff to draft season, it's also the only time that we'll get a chance to see a group of prospects in an environment where we can easily compare them to one another. And we'll talk to Lance Zerline, NFL draft analyst for NFL.com about that in just a bit and find out who has been standing out this week down in Mobile. But first, a lot of talk about moves that would, could affect the draft Perhaps most notably, definitely most recently, the news that Deshaun Watson has asked the Houston Texans to trade him. News that we found out, coincidentally or not, right after they hired David Culley to be their next head coach. And for more on that and all the other quarterback carousel possibilities, let's go ahead and break the huddle. And joining us now to break down all of the possible quarterback moves, Joel Corey, former agent and contract and cap specialist, who I thought would be a perfect person to come on because there's a lot of speculation about who might go where. And I want us to have a realistic conversation about that. What teams can actually afford to go out and make a move? Uh, what will it cost to trade a specific quarterback? Is it cost prohibitive? Let's let's have all of these discussions so that while we start placing people in new places, we're doing it um, in, re- in a realistic fashion. So Joel, hi, welcome. Thanks for having me. So I made a list here of all of the quarterback, uh, all of the teams. I went one by one of all of the teams who might be looking to change quarterbacks this year. And I came up with only... 11 teams that were set at quarterback and I have a question mark next to one of them. And that's the giants. Can I put the giants in that category?
1: Well, if they could upgrade, I would imagine they would, but Joe judge did come out and say that Daniel Jones was his quarterback for next year. But if you get someone like Deshaun Watson, he wouldn't be.
0: Okay. Okay
1: that's interesting
0: but okay so so barring some sort of crazy thing the giants can stand pat and i can i can keep that number at 11 teams that are pretty much set with quarterback i've got the vikings as an i don't know do you think that the vikings stand pat
1: uh probably because one you can't cut Kirk cousins because of the contract and two with all the quarterbacks available in a trade who's going to trade for
0: them? that's a problem Okay, so then I've got them at twelve. Okay, so then so then let's move them over, and that's twelve teams that probably don't make a move, and then twenty, twenty teams that are legitimate conversations at least uh, as far as do we have a quarterback moving forward? Do we draft? Do we try and make a trade? Do we? I don't know, Stan Pat, I have the Packers in that category, even though it looks like Aaron Rodgers will likely stay there. Let's start with Deshaun Watson, though, because this is the most recent thing to come out in the news with regards to him asking for a trade. Uh, Do you think that the Texans are at the point where they will effectively have to trade him? Does he have leverage in this situation? How do you see this thing playing out?
1: Well, first, the Texans seem oblivious or don't care about negative publicity. And if you don't care about negative publicity, then public pressure is not going to force you to do anything. Just because somebody has to be traded doesn't mean you trade them. If I'm the Texans, I'm not trading them because the idea is if you get a quarterback that great, you keep them. I try to mend fences and try to do whatever I can to convince him that he needs to, that he should stay in Houston. Another thing working against the trade is anytime you have a new GM, he does not want to acquiesce to a player's demands because then he's setting a precedent for other players to think, if I want out or if I hold out, I I can get a new contract. So that's something that Nick Casario isn't going to be enthusiastic about doing. But that being said, um, Deshaun Watson, if he's adamant, then this becomes a, high stakes game of chicken, we'll see who blinks first. And it's easy to say you're going to do X, Y, and Z as a player in late January. But when money starts coming off the table, because you start missing things, it becomes a different story. I had guys who would say they'd want to hold out. And then when it got to the point, well, I'd be losing money if I did that. They wouldn't do it. So we'll see exactly how resolved that Watson is over time if he's not traded before the draft, because that would be one of the drop dead dates, because presumably if the Texans are going to move him, they'd want to get picks for this year.
0: It's funny that you say if you were the Texans that you would do everything you could to smooth things over, but if you were the Texans, it probably wouldn't have gotten to this point if that's that's your attitude, right? Because it feels like there have been so many opportunities for them to, at the very least, placate him, like make him feel like he's a part of the process and then go in whatever direction you want to go in, and it feels like that has not been a priority for them. Is he tradable in terms of finances?
1: Yes, he's very tradable in terms of finances. One, he's locked into a contract. Um, he's got five years left. He did a he did a four-year extension when he had two years left on his rookie contract. He got a $27 million signing bonus, which has already been paid out. So I uh, think you're going to have like 140-some-odd million over five years. The average is like $29 million per year, the remaining um, parts of the contract. And if you want to acquire someone, you need to have enough cap space to absorb a player's salary. And the way they structured his contract, Deshaun Watson only makes ten point five four million in twenty twenty one. So that's all the cap space you need to acquire him. Um, and then the remaining years of his contract, you have to worry about fitting them into the caps for those respective years. So he's affordable from that standpoint.
0: It's funny, I think um I Saw somebody post on Twitter and forgive me that I'm not attributing this to the exact person, but I thought it was an interesting point. They said, if he always wanted out, if he saw this coming, the smartest thing that he could have done was sign that new contract because now they can't tag him and he has the leverage because it's a tradable contract and and they can't just say, you know, much like the Cowboys and Dak situation like too bad. So sad. We're going to tag you and you have to stay here no matter what. Um what, what would he cost in a trade? What would a team have to give up?
1: Well, first, it has to be a team he likes because he has a no trade clause that he has to waive by giving written consent. Now, if I'm the Texans, you have to blow me away, knock my socks off, make me an offer I can't refuse to trade him. We've seen non-quarterbacks in recent years go for more than two first round picks and I hate to bring up the Texans again, but it's they essentially gave up two first round picks and a second round pick for Laramie Tonsil. Um, Jalen Ramsey went for two first and a fourth. So if you've got Pro Bowl caliber players who don't throw the football going for more than two first round picks, if I'm the Texans, I'm asking for something ridiculous when people call, just so they know that we're not trading. Like him what? And then five first round picks is what I'm asking for. Five. Yeah not knowing I'm not going to get that. And then okay. if you and are you work going down from that. Yeah. So that sends a signal that if we do decide to trade them, you better come strong. And if it's a team like the jets, I don't want Sam Darnold. He hasn't shown me he can play. You can go trade him for somebody else for a second or third round pick or whatever you can get for him. I'm asking for Quentin Williams to come back in it. He will substitute for one first round pick. And I want both your first round picks this year. I at least want your first round pick next year. So I know that's a lot. We've never had a guy of this caliber in his prime be available. So it won't be like the Herschel Walker trade years ago, which is ridiculous, which remade the Cowboys, but it's got to be the second best thing to that.
0: So let's discuss that is that even so the Jets are are a team that's getting thrown out there as a team that he might want to go to and I don't totally understand that is it in I mean I understand wanting to go get a franchise quarterback and being set at that position doesn't it feel like the Jets have more to do though before they can be competitive I'm not sure why Deshaun Watson would point to the Jets of all organizations and say that's a good spot for me right now
1: Well, if you still subscribe to the fact that you need to be in a major media market from a marketing uh, standpoint, he'd be in one of the meccas, New York. Plus, they've got a ton of cap space. So if they want to go out and be aggressive in free agency, they can start filling needs, especially in a year when nobody might not have cap space, because if the cap drops to $175 they basically will be one of the few players out there. So that may be why it's attractive as well. Maybe he likes Robert solid was on his list. The guys that he wanted the Texans to uh, give serious consideration to, he didn't get an interview. So the head coaches is cutting in his favor as well. But you're right, it's not a ready-made team. But if he's that good, he can make him a ready-made team. Look at Tom Brady, seven and nine Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Granted, they made other additions. Now they're in the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. What about the the teams that jumped out at me that had cap space? Um, to to maybe absorb a contract like this, do feel like they're a little bit closer to being competitive. And um, I'm not really hearing, I'm not hearing Washington mentioned that much. And maybe you can explain to me why that is, because they're, they're one of the teams that I thought might actually be a smart place for him to go. And then the Dolphins also. And yep. the Dolphins obviously makes sense from a Texan standpoint, because it looks like they're in a rebuilding situation. So if they just send over Tua... And then a couple of draft picks and they're also set at quarterback and maybe that's smart for both teams.
1: I don't want Tua because if you have to be replaced by Ryan Fitzpatrick, no offense. And what's a quasi playoff game against the Raiders. And then you lose the game, which will get you in the playoffs. You can keep him. You can trade him someplace else. I'm asking for Xavier Howard as a part of the package. I want your oh. best. I want your best non quarterback. If I'm trading Deshaun Watson, along with first round picks. The Redskins, that's a place where they're probably going to go out and trade for some veteran quarterback, and they make sense. They play in a weak division. They won the division. They got about $33 in cap space, so they could easily afford that contract. Then, um, great story, its going to be comeback player of the year, but you've got Alex Smith sitting on the cap at $24.4 million. Whether they trade for someone or not, if he's not the starting quarterback, it's not going to be at that cap number. And you would have ten point eight million of dead money if you were to release him. And you pick up thirteen point six million of cap space. So they have more than what meets the eye. Plus with that defensive line and right. they've got they've got what appears to be a good young running back in Antonio yeah. Gibson, Terry McLaren, if they re-sign Brandon Scherf where they could still franchise. There you go. Yeah. Makes sense. What is
0: what is your favorite team for Deshaun? Is there a landing spot that you think if you got to wave your magic wand and it all, like a realistic one, obviously, with the numbers and stuff like that in Yeah, mind. Th-
1: there's one realistic numbers nobody's thinking about that if I'm going to be rebuilding as the Texans and you don't really want to trade somebody in a division as not the team pe- most people would think in the division, I'm sniffing around Urban Meyer and Jacksonville and seeing what I – some sort of deal for landing number one pick, because yeah. if you're going to start over and rebuild, I want to start over and rebuild with what's supposed to be the best prospect since maybe Andrew Luck. That's where I would be heading if I'm looking to start from over and just rebuild and not want to and try to get as many picks as possible.
0: So that would just be dependent on where Urban Meyer stood. Like, how much does he love Trevor Lawrence? And what does he think of Deshaun Watson, right? That whole
1: deal would hinge on that? Yes, I would be banking on Urban Meyer not being a patient guy and (laughs) wanting to win now. That's a
0: good point. That's a really good point because he has that whole college to the NFL jump thing to overcome. He's got to come out of the gate and prove that, that he's the right guy for this job. And he's got so much power there. That's a really good point. It might just be a safer bet to bring in Deshaun Watson and build around him. Yeah, you
1: know he you know what he can do. You you think Trevor Lawrence has he has a ton of potential, but there've been guys with tons of potential who have failed. So, he's a sure bet. It's in a division, so you really don't want to trade within the division, but under the right, right circumstances, I'd consider it.
0: Yeah. Do do you think I kind of am of, of the feeling and you said that that the Texans should figure this out and hold on to Deshaun Watson, considering the fact that it's gotten so bad and there will inevitably be a team out there who wants Deshaun Watson and is willing to pay heavily for him. I'm kind of of the mind that the Texans are in a rebuilding mode anyway. And Deshaun Watson's who kept them in games this year and made them competitive. You could argue that he would continue to do that moving forward, but maybe it might just be better off for them to get rid of a bad situation now that things have gone sour in that relationship and just start a rebuilding process because you might be there anyway, even if you have Deshaun.
1: That's true. If you're getting to cut your losses mode, then maybe your best deal comes right before the draft is opposed to, to me to me, they're really two points right before the start of the league year and mm-hmm. you execute the trade when the first day of the league year starts on St. Patrick's day or right before the draft. So those are the two real points. And if you get in your cut your losses mode, yeah, then you start working with Deshaun Watson in terms of which teams would you waive the no, no trade clause for. If he really wants out of Houston, theoretically it should be any place he could go, right. but, um, and then try to auction teams off against each other. Um, but I would still try to do everything possible. But if I do end up cutting my losses, there's one more guy you cut your losses with, because if you're rebuilding, JJ yeah. Watt has no interest in being there. Yeah. And you can pick up $17.5 million of cap space if you can trade them someplace. If you cut them, you still get the same 17 five, but there's no way JJ Watt wants to spend the rest of his career rebuilding in Houston. So if you decide to trade Deshaun Watson, you're also probably trading J.J. Watt.
0: So where would J.J. Watt go? Let's play that game to its finish line.
1: Well, they have no cap room, but I'm sure he'd love to go to uh, Pittsburgh to play with his brothers.
0: (laughs) Oh, that would be fun. Uh, Or Yes, Steelers are in the red from a cap standpoint, Oh, yeah.
1: Like way, way, way in the red. Yes, yes. And Green Bay go back to Wisconsin, but they don't outside. have cap room, but they have ways they can create cap room by restructuring some contracts like David Bakhtiari's big roster bonus being converted to signing bonus screams out to me as one way to start getting cap room. but
0: That could be beneficial in many ways because it could also sort of placate Aaron Rodgers, right? Look at us yes. making big offseason splash moves to put a team around you that can actually get to the Super Bowl. Maybe kill two birds.
1: Yep, that's true. That's true.
0: What about uh Stafford? This is going to happen. It sounds like both teams are in or both, you know, sides are in on being traded, Stafford and the Lions. So it looks like he'll move. Um they have to trade him by the fifth day of the league year, or else there's a ten million dollar roster bonus that goes into effect. One would assume that he would be traded far earlier than that probably what's a realistic time frame this feels like a a deal that might have in the past gone down at like combine or something like that and then it just becomes official on that first day of the league year what kind of time frame do you think is realistic to expect for that deal to get done
1: could be as early as next week a couple years ago the alex smith trade or three four years ago was announced before the super bowl you can't formally execute it until the first day of the league year but there are two teams which scream out to me, that are obvious for Matthew mm-hmm. Stafford. One we've already talked about, the Washington football team. There's a tie there. Um, their new GM, Martin Mayhew, was the GM for the Lions for several years, so he knows him. They've got the cap space. And then I think Jim Irsay yesterday came out and advocated for a veteran presence at quarterback. They've got tons of cap room. Uh, Philip Rivers just retired. He would actually be cheaper than Philip Rivers because Rivers made $25 million. Last year. It's only 20 million this year for Stafford, 23 in 2022, 43 million over two years. That's a ready made club with Matthew Stafford. Those two seem the most obvious destinations. What
0: about Rogers? Rogers is staying in Green Bay, right? That doesn't make any sense for them to move him.
1: Uh, no. And even um Mark Mur- uh, Murphy was like, We're not idiots. We're, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, you um, yeah, the MVP. The, do we
0: want him yeah. or do we not want him?
1: You're going to trade the guy who had maybe the, arguably the best year of his career. Yeah. No. Um, the contract does scream at some point, it's going to be traded. You drafted Jordan Love. Hmm. You don't waste, you don't use a first round pick on a quarterback for him to never play. They're both under contract through 2023. Um, you have to make a decision on the fifth year option after the third year. So 2022 would be his third year. You would probably need him to play the third year to know whether you want to pick up the fifth year because the fifth year options now become fully guaranteed when you exercise them. So Aaron Rodgers knows he's on borrowed time. 2022 seems a more logical standpoint, just looking at those dynamics, not even getting into the cap um, uh Issue. The dead money yeah, yeah because there's 31.5 million of dead money if you trade him this year his cap number is the third highest in the league at 36.3 but you've never had that much dead money for an individual player i saw uh,
0: somebody with a f- pretty large twitter following tweet that they would save six million dollars by trading him i was like but also pay 31 million dollars and get nothing back like that's not exactly the that's a misleading framing
1: Right. Plus, Jordan Love wasn't even the backup quarterback this year. He was the yeah. he was inactive as the third-string quarterback, so he's not quite ready to play. This is not the situation they had when they were ready to move on from Brett Favre because Aaron Rodgers had flashed and you knew, hey, this guy looks like he could be pretty good. You didn't think he would be what he's become, but you thought he would be a suitable replacement. They struggled that first year, and then things took off, but no, Aaron Rodgers is staying put. I think it's smart for him to kind of hold their feet to the fire and try to – I'd pre, I, I, there's the whole rumor he's going to ask for a new contract, and that's for, that would be by design because if they don't want to do something with you contractually, that tells you that you're going to be out at some point in time. If they do decide they want to extend him for like two years, then basically you're moving Jordan Love. So I think that would be the smart play – just to get clarity on Rogers part, even though I think he already knows that he's going to end his career elsewhere.
0: If you know that you're a lame duck next year, going into the season, is there anything that Aaron Rodgers can do? Or do you just have to play it out at this point and see where it goes? Does he have any leverage outside of that? Like you said, asking for a contract, but like you said, that probably just gives you clarity on where you stand.
1: Well, if he really wanted to force his way out this year, he probably could, (laughs) Because if, if Aaron, Aaron Rodgers could play the retirement card much easier than Deshaun Watson, because it's not plausible that Deshaun Watson would retire at his age. If Aaron Rodgers being 37, he could be like, you know what? Screw this. I'm done. Um,
0: that And then what? But then and what if you don't actually want to retire?
1: You, you it becomes the Carson Palmer situation from 2011 where you end up waiting until they trade you. Um, I think he's got he he could potentially force himself out of there if he wanted to um he's very passive aggressive as we can see by some of the comments in his whole press conference things so i don't know if he has the stomach to do that
0: what about the the other quarterbacks here got uh, what do you where do you see that one going do you see him remaining in philadelphia
1: Well, the worst thing for Carson Wentz is there are a whole bunch of options that you can trade for. So when we were thinking he might be the only tradable quarterback, it seemed like Indianapolis might be a destination for him. because of That seems like years ago now. Yeah, it does. Seems like a long time ago. The way he played, why would anyone trade for him? I think he's stuck. That's a really good
0: point. Because so there's been all this talk about the Rams quarterback situation this week, Goff and the – the comments that Les Sneed made there about he's our quarterback at this very uh, second in time, which is never a Yeah, good they, they
1: made some interesting comments. First Sean McVay and then Les Snead. And then I read something that if he's still there, he's going to be com- competing with John Walford for the starting job. That's an uncuttable contract because yeah. they gave him guarantees with no offsets and guarantees in future years accelerate anyway. And then with no offset, that means that I'm going to put it in very simple terms. Say you have a $10 million guarantee and you get cut that typically if there's an offset, whatever you get from the new contract goes to the old team to take care of the guarantee with no offset, you double dip and you get the money from the guarantee plus your salary elsewhere. So the way it would work if they cut them, it's $65.2 million in dead money. If it's a conventional cut and from a, if you can trade them, you'll pick up almost 13 million in cap space. But who really wants Jared Goff? I want him more That's than Carson Wentz. Yeah. Um, now I've, jo- I've jokingly kind of said this. Uh, this is not realistic. But Wentz and Goff have the same agent, so you give the agent permission to shop himself for a trade, and they trade him for each other. I know it's not realistically going to happen <laughs> from from a cap standpoint, but neither like one of those environment. Here yeah. Neither neither one of those guys is going anywhere. I don't think this year.
0: <laughs> okay. And and likely because there's just uh, it, it's hard to move them, not because they necessarily want them, which is a bummer. Um, and I think that the point, like you said, the the trade is financially feasible, maybe for Goff, But who wants him? You know, who's going to trade for him with all these different quarterbacks that are out there right now? Matt Ryan, not really tradable, right? This is a situation that I know was discussed a lot this year. But financially, does it make any sense for them to move on from Matt?
1: No, they've restructured that contract three times and by kicking the can down the road they've raised this cap number to almost 41 million and the dead money with a trade is 44 million so that's making it worse um the time to move on from him is in 2022 you still could draft his replacement have him sit for a year and then you trade Matt Ryan next year but it doesn't make a lot of sense economically
0: Okay. And the Falcons have the number four overall draft pick. So that would be a good spot to go up and get a quarterback. If you wanted to go in that direction, Jimmy Garoppolo, San Francisco has been talking about what to do at the quarterback position there all year long. He is pretty cuttable, isn't he? From a financial standpoint.
1: Yes, he is that um, you'd only have 2.8 million of dead money. I think you'd pick up 23.6 million of cap space and he's got an interesting limited no trade clause. In all years, but 2021, there isn't a no trade clause. Only for 2021, there's a no trade clause. So he has some control over that. But at the same time, it could be posed to him if they're trying to get rid of him. Look, we'll just cut you and see if, and good luck trying to get the salary you're supposed to make elsewhere. So he might be receptive to a trade, potentially back to where he came from, New England, who has a ton of cap space and needs a quarterback.
0: Well, so let's play that one out because the question I think about him being tradable is whether or not there's a team that wants to pay him $25 million a year to play quarterback for them, right? Because that's his number right Right, now.
1: Right, that's the problem. (laughs)
0: So that is, I guess, why we're discussing whether or not he's cuttable as opposed to tradable. If you were the New England Patriots and you did like Jimmy Garoppolo and you thought that you could make that work, do you run too much of a risk to wait and see if they cut him and then you can sign him to a lower deal? Do you, how do you maneuver that? What's the smartest way of approaching that?
1: Well, I already have a good relationship with Don Yee and Carter Chow because they also represent Tom Brady. So I try to work something out where he's taking a pay cut to come here because part of his calculus could be if they decide to cut me, what would I get on the open market? when there's a lot of supply of quarterbacks. So maybe there's some number which is less than what he's making now, which would be more than he's going to make on the open market where you could renegotiate as a part of a trade.
0: Like a sign-in trade? Yes. All right. What What about Carr?
1: He's always the guy that everyone talks about, well, John Gruden wants to get rid of him because John Gruden's only liked one quarterback I think he's ever coached in the NFL and that's Rich Gannon. But Carr played reasonably well and yeah. Mike Mayock recently said that he had a good year he's very affordable so maybe you stay put he wasn't the issue they've had no pass rush since Khalil Mack left that was more the problem than, than Carr
0: totally that's one of those situations where I've been asked that a lot about you know what what I think about David Carr, I'm like, I wouldn't do anything with that position right now. I would build up all of these other parts around him, give them a better team around Derek Carr next year. And then if that doesn't work, then maybe you can start talking about it. But why would you utilize any of your resources to go get a quarterback right now when you have so many other holes?
1: Exactly. Plus, the I think Mike Mack came out yesterday and said they got nothing out of the 2020 draft class. So maybe if you can put better pieces around him through the draft that might help, but he's part of, he's not the problem that you have with the Raiders. I mean, to be fair, Joel, he said he was disappointed in the 2020
0: draft class. Not that they got nothing out of it. Okay. I'm, I'm, being, a little, I'm
1: being a little strong, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> that could be your opinion. But yeah, yeah well, man, Henry Ruggs wasn't what they
1: expected when Nelson Aguilar ends up, no offense to Nelson Aguilar being your most productive wide receiver. He made himself some money this year, but that wasn't supposed to happen.
0: No, it wasn't supposed to happen. But Boy, that turned out to be a massive value pick, right? Like who saw that coming? What about the Saints? Because the Saints are in a really interesting situation in that they are last in the league in cap space. They are completely upside down. The number that I see here on over the cap is they are in the red, $112 million, Okay, yes, you now that number yes, that, is that numbers will change as some you know contracts come off the books and stuff like that. But wh- that is that is a really big number to overcome because I got really excited initially when the Deshaun Watson stuff happened right after that Saints came. I was like texting a uh, you know Saints person and I was like, so Deshaun Watson is that possible? And they were like, no, <laughs> like we have no cap space. So what do they do? Are they are they? I don't know. Is it is it Hill? Is it do you have to go in that direction? What do they do
1: first? They pray that the cap doesn't drop to 175 million because every little bit helps with them. If the cap is is close to the current 198.2 million dollar level, that helps them more than anybody else. The first thing is you. Um, we're assuming Drew Brees retires. There's one yes, manipulation you can make which frees up 23.925 million in cap room immediately is that you chop his $25 million base salary down to his league minimum, 1.075 million. So that right there frees up almost 24 million. You carry him on the books until June 2nd because you've already freed up all this cap space. And then you don't have all the bonus proration from the voidable years in 2022 and 2023 hitting this year. It hits in 2022. So you would only have 11.0 one five million of dead money when it's all said and done in 11.5 next year. That's the so wait, first how, do, how
0: do you do that? That's something that he would have to just be willing to restructure yeah. everything yeah. to help you out. Yeah, okay. just he'd
1: take the pay cut and sign a new contract. And I don't think he'd have a problem doing that. Okay, so that's that's your first move you make. Otherwise, you're only going to pick up like 13, you're going to have 13 million dollars of cap room you pick up. Um, and you, you need every little bit. You're going to be doing what you typically do, which is restructure a ton of contracts. They kick the can down the road better than anybody else. Add the voidable dummy year so you can stretch out the proration. You're going to be restructuring Cameron Jordan. Um, you're going to pick up like 9 million and some change. I think 10.18 from him. Um, people have talked about, well, Michael Thomas will be on the trading block. Well, his cap number is like 18 eight or something it's 20 million if you trade him that doesn't help plus when he's uh. healthy he's great so you restructure yeah. that one as well you're going to pick up like nine million a cap room there um you've got two first round picks you got to figure out what to do with the 2017 draft class who are on fifth year options ron ramsick and marshawn Lattimore. maybe you trade Lattimore if you think he's not going to be signable he's going to ask for an arm and a leg at least today's white money Probably looking at Jalen Ramsey money, but he's too inconsistent to me for that type of money at the highest end. Um, Ramsick, you probably have to extend because Taron Armstead is also in a contract year. So you could pick up cap room from trying to get an early extension done, maybe six, seven million, depending upon how you structure it. You're going to cut some players as, as well. Um, first guy that's going to be gone is going to be Quan Alexander. That's 13.4 million. You pick up right there, even though he's got the Achilles injury, if he couldn't play, he could file for the injury protection benefit under the CBA and he'd get 1.2 million. Um, I know it's kind of harsh cutting an injured player, but that's just what happens. Uh, Nick Easton's probably going to be gone. Um, that's like 6 million right there. Um, maybe Emmanuel Sanders is gone you're going to have like maybe you're just six, gutting the whole you're team gonna and... you're gonna have to you're you're not gonna have a choice 112 is unprecedented of being. so like you are grab. you are you are rebuilding um well you're gonna see how good of a coach Sean Payton is you're still gonna have Alvin Kamara you're still gonna have um Michael Thomas you're probably gonna have Taysom Hill as your quarterback and if Jameis Winston has options then maybe he's not gonna come back and try to compete um but yeah the of the roster is going to be a lot different
0: what about the Steelers? If Ben walks away, are they kind of in the same boat then? Not
1: because... quite as bad, but they pick up 19 million of cap space if he walks away, and that helps. They restructure contracts. Pouncey is probably going to retire as well. I think if Pouncey, they may be a package deal. Right, that was what I thought. Then I saw a tweet where Ben Roethlisberger uh, told a reporter in Pittsburgh that he doesn't really care about a salary this year. So Peyton Manning, in his last year in Denver, took a four million dollar pay cut and they really wanted to take a nine, ten million dollar million one, but he agreed upon four. Pittsburgh will probably have to do what the saints do. Uh, if he takes a pay cutter, even if he doesn't and he's going to play add the voiding dummy years, which they typically don't do and convert most of his money into signing bonus to pick up as much as $14 million of cap space. But yeah, Pittsburgh's another one of those teams in trouble. If it,
0: in your estimation, should
1: they want him to come back? Um, I wouldn't want Mason Rudolph being my quarterback. So, and it's interesting, they signed Dwayne Haskins. So maybe they think that they can get something out of him and he's matured and that's the quarterback for the future. But if they don't use a first round pick on the quarterback this year, like a Mac Jones, if he's there, that means Haskins Mm. is someone that they uh, maybe have, have an affinity for think they can uh, resurrect his career. But if they're going to compete, <laughs> it's probably Ben's their best option for, for this year.
0: <laughs> are there any other teams that I mentioned 20 teams that, you know, are in the mix, potentially we've got the bears and uh, they got talk about the Panthers.
1: Oh. Well, the Panthers could get there, but. um, I don't know if they would draft someone and go that route, but Matt, Rule definitely wasn't pleased with Teddy Bridgewater this year.
0: Have you ever seen an off season like this at the quarterback position? No. I mean, oh. we're not even talking about any other positions right now. We're just rattling through. I could go through every, I mean, there's 20 teams. It's insane. The Broncos, it's like, there's just so, so many teams that are in need of quarterback. It's just going to be completely like, Hey, let's just change guys.
1: Well, the Broncos are interesting. Cause what do they do with Von Miller pick up the option or not? And that creates a ton of cap space and, Drew Locke hasn't done anything to warrant having a job quote unquote locked down, no pun intended, but yeah, that's another team. And they've been chasing. It's weird. As long as John Elway was there, you think that the guy would be able to find a quarterback outside of Peyton Manny. They kind of lucked into, but his quarterback radar was horrible. Those and trades yeah. for an aging Joe Flacco. Drew Locke doesn't look like he's the guy, but. Yeah, that's another team which could use an upgrade.
0: Are they a team that has the resources to go make a big move? Or do you think that they'll be a little bit more like, you know, drafting somebody or?
1: Well, if they decide to part ways with Von Miller, there's your space for the quarterback. So interesting. Uh,
0: Joel, I want to point out that it looks like you've rattled off almost all of these numbers while looking at the screen without looking at notes, which I find insanely impressive that, you know, all these cap numbers just off the top of your head. (laughs)
1: Thank you. I got a really good memory and I look at this stuff a lot.
0: <laughs> Goodness. Really interesting stuff. Thank you so much for coming on. And I highly recommend those of you listening, give him a follow on Twitter. It is Cory Joel, C-O-R-R-Y Joel. Great resource at this time of year in particular. And we'll be back with Lance Zerline this year's Senior Bowl standouts right after this.
2: Hey everyone, I'm Abner Madis, and I want to invite you to listen to my new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Madis. I am an ex-four-time world champion boxer, commentator, but most importantly, I am a husband and a dad. I will be talking about boxing, will be joined by many of my friends and colleagues, but I will also be talking about family, culture, community, and life with the people that have made me the person that I am today. So join me on my podcast, On the Hook with Abner Madis, a new podcast from Blue Wire. Subscribe wherever you are listening to the podcast.
0: Welcome back, and I'm excited to welcome in Lance Zerline, now draft analyst from NFL.com, who has been scouring Senior Bowl tape for the last couple of days. Weird year in a ton of ways. One of them is that you're not able to be there in person, huh, Lance?
2: Yeah, I, um, you know, I had the chance. Uh, it didn't look like I was going to be able to go, and then it looked like I had a chance at the very end. And you know, the, I, I just made the decision basically that unless I was going to have the same access that I usually have, uh, not just from the standpoint of being on the field and seeing these players in person, but also uh, the opportunity to see executives, to see scouting friends, people that I get to bounce, you know, information off of, and they bounce it right back and give yeah. me the information that that I need. I just, I, I could watch from afar. I could pick up on the uh, uh, the practice tape and 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 stay on the draft work that I have. So I don't know, since last year, and I'm sure you're the same way, It's the realization that things can be done a different way has made it easier to just say, at at no point would I have ever bailed on a Senior Bowl ever before this, but it has made it a little easier to say, you know what? I can still get done what I need to get done.
0: Well, for all the reasons you just said, for me, and I've said this before, Senior Bowl Mm -hmm. is one of my favorite weeks on the NFL calendar, when I'm able to go and participate there in person, because it's like the whole NFL universe in terms of GMs and coaches and scouts, and then the players that are trying to get into the NFL and the media – all in this really small space. So you run right. into people right and left. It's great for networking and meeting people, and then just getting a chance to bounce some ideas off of people to find out if you're on the right track about various things. What was the feedback that you got in terms of what you would actually be able to do in terms of interaction with people? How are they running things there this mm-hmm. year? Because it's crazy that they're actually even doing it, since we're not going to see a scouting combine for you know safety purposes, but they figured out a way to do this. What does it all entail?
2: Well, they limited uh, teams to bringing uh, 10, 10 people at max for many. So that would include any coaches, any uh, front office personnel, um, you know, really anyone. And I think a lot of teams didn't even bring 10 Um, but from what I understand, Jim Nagy and the senior bowl did a really good job of making sure they had their protocols in place. They let agents know that they were not going to be allowed in their, in the hotel at all, uh, where their players' hotels were. And I had an agent tell me today that it's, it, that they did a great job of not allowing them really access to their own players. And while they, while they didn't love it, they understood it. And it sounds like everything, um, really held up there. So, I think I would have had a little more access than I thought. I don't know that I would have gotten on the field. So that part was was going to be tough. Um, I don't really have a feel for how many executives and all the scouts who are there right now. I think it's going to be a much smaller group of scouts. So I think I, I could have ultimately... It, the social side would have been 50-50. The football side, I think it would have had a little bit more access. So um all in all i'm not regretting it i just like i said i just got to get on the tape watch the players and then i'll make the phone calls afterwards and and find out you know and frankly now following dj uh daniel jeremiah on twitter watching him on 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 nfl network i mean Mm -hmm. i get a lot of information that way as well so
0: it feels like the senior bowl is almost bigger even than it's been in years past from a scouting standpoint there's a Mm -hmm. lot of importance placed on it because you don't get a chance to see these guys um, going head-to-head or back-to-back in the combine. So how much more weight do you think will end up being placed on it for the yeah, people who are participating?
2: That's a great question. And I think you hit on the real key there is that because there's no combine this year, um, it, it really took on, I think, double the importance because this is the only time that you're going to see many of the players who are in this year's draft. It's the only time you get to see them, as you mentioned, um, it, it's one thing to go to a pro day or see somebody work out, but when you're stacked back to back to back to back, when you watch a guy could time a a five three seven, uh, I'm sorry, a four three seven and a forty. But when he runs a four three seven, and you've just watched six players before him and six players after him, that four three seven stands out a lot more because there's just something about the the I don't know, trustworthiness might be a little bit excessive, but you just feel like That's a real time uh, with the Combine. And at Pro Days, there's always been that thought that some of the times, you know, teams have their own watches, they all have different times, and there's not really a standard time. Teams use uh, different times. It felt like that was really a a real standard time when we were at the Combine. So I do think seeing guys in person, being it, because we don't know what's going to happen with Pro Days. We don't know if there's going to be lockdowns. We don't know about individual visits where players can come in. And uh, I think we will see a combine uh, later on in April for medicals. I do think we'll see that, and that's a huge part of it. But the point you make is a very valid one. This is your only chance in many cases to get, quote-unquote, hands-on with the players because in most cases you weren't even able to do that during the year, even for the conferences that played and, and played most of their games.
0: Well, it strikes me, and I'm eager to get to some of the players that have popped off the tape to you, but first, the coaches that are coaching the Senior Bowl teams down there, the Dolphins and the Panthers, feels like they have a massive edge this season. And that's always the case because they get that interaction with the players that are there. They get to know them a lot better. But in this year in particular, without the combine and without a lot of that face-to-face type stuff that's going to happen throughout the draft process, feels like the Dolphins and the Panthers are going to have a major advantage in terms of get really, really knowing these draft prospects this year.
2: Yeah, and it's always an advantage because you get to see how guys respond. Um, and I don't know how different it is because of the way things are set up, but you get to see how guys respond in the film room, how attentive they are, um, how quickly they process what you're giving them and how quickly they can take it out to the field. That's always a big advantage for the Senior Bowl staffs. But – this year, I think uh even more so because it's my understanding this is the way that it's it's it it is this year and and I, I don't think there was anybody who broke this protocol. teams are not allowed to go on the field and talk to players afterwards right after and get the the personal uh, interview information that they usually get and and maybe talk a little football. and so, um, it's Just always Nick Saban.
0: Just Nick Saban. Nick Saban yeah. apparently allowed to be down on the field.
2: Saban has different rules. Uh, <laughs> Clearly, there's, there's different rules, a different constitution, different laws in, in Alabama, Alabama. We also in Alabama, point out, right? Yeah. So in Alabama, um, I think there is probably <laughs> a bill of Nick Saban rights that's completely different from what we have. So yeah, uh, Lindsay, that's uh, that's a good point. Nick Saban. You set him aside. There's and then
0: everybody else. Yeah. Okay, so you have had a chance to watch the tape of these practices down mm-hmm. there. Who do you think has, has jumped out at you?
2: Well, let's start off with we the could... quarterback position. Okay, and yeah. That's always one that people, you know, really like. It, it's not a great quarterback year at the Senior Bowl, honestly. Um, Jamie Newman, I'll start with Jamie Newman because he didn't play this year. He went from Wake Forest. He went to Georgia, and we were all very excited about seeing him against SEC competition, he then opted out, and so this was really going to be a huge week for Jamie Newman. And uh, he has great size, uh, throws the ball, you know, has 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 a good arm, but he's not the most accurate. And when you watch practices, uh, it, it was the same up and down accuracy that we've seen really on tape from West, from Wake Forest. Now, obviously, he did not play at Georgia. Just getting on the field though, and getting back in in the in people's on people's radars is mm-hmm. a big deal. Just to go back, show people, oh, look, I'm a good physical specimen, seeing him release the ball, make some throws here and there. I think it was big for him to just put himself back on the radar of mid-round quarterbacks that you would consider. It's, it's clearly going to be a tier two or tier three of quarterbacks, but it, it, there's just a big divide. After you get past the first five quarterbacks, it falls off, and so he wants to reassess himself, uh, reposition himself in that second tier. So I thought I thought he did a fine job there. I think Mac Jones, uh, you know, Mac Jones had all the amenities, right? He was in a plush five-star hotel, and everything was beautiful at Alabama. I mean, every amenity you could possibly hope for. So this was an interesting week for teams to see him without the the perfect pass protection. Uh, without the stellar run game, without Devontae Smith and 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 Jalen Waddle and, and Michi and, and all the, the the fantastic talents that Alabama has had, and uh, I thought he acquitted himself really well. So he's the same accurate thrower. Um, body type wise, he doesn't look. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna thrill you with the the prototypical size and physique and arm talent. He has an average arm, but I thought he had an average arm on tape. So if you thought his arm was better watching tape. Then you came away maybe a little bit disappointed. But I think I thought he looked like who he looks like on tape. Now, with that said, I don't have him as a first round pick. You don't. I think no, I think he's more of a a second round game manager, needs some things uh positive around him. First rounders to me, these are guys who need to be difference makers who can elevate a team. And I think he needs, and, and I'm not saying he's not a player. I'm just saying I think he needs to have things right. Uh, around him. So I I thought he was fine.
0: June Jones told Sports Illustrated that uh, Mac Jones was his favorite quarterback in the draft and that he should be the first one off the board.
2: I think there's going to be a lot of quarterback people that really like him. And here's why he processes very quickly with his eyes. And so when you see it quickly, people who have coached in the NFL understand that you can look great and have all the stats in the world when there's a dumbed down offense or even something that's uh, dumbed down is probably a strong word. Simplified. Mm -hmm. Because Simplified wins in college football. And frankly, Simplified is starting to win in the NFL. You don't have to make it too complex. You need to make it to where your quarterback can excel at at the level they're comfortable with. And I think with Mac Jones, you're going to have a guy like June Jones who recognizes that they can do – it. really, he can open a playbook. You know, you can do more things with him because he processes so quickly. Um, from a physical skill standpoint, you know, that arm talent, the mobility, which is a huge part of today's uh, NFL football, I, I don't know that he's going to check those boxes with with the bolded font, if you know right. what I mean. I And I think that's what's going to potentially hurt him a little bit. And I do think fit. I think he's not a guy that the Jets probably want to go get to lead a team unless they're being, you know, built up. I mean – who he has around him is going to be more important than maybe, say, Trevor Lawrence uh, and maybe even Zach Wilson and, and Justin Fields. Um, Kellen Mond was just okay this week uh, on the national team. Sam Ellinger was just okay. I mean, it really wasn't on the other side. I'm not the biggest Ian Book fan from, from uh, uh, Notre Dame, but he had a good week. He, he did have a good week, but he's smaller, doesn't have a big arm. I just I think it's going to be a tough combination, but he's an excellent athlete and he has tremendous intangibles. So it wouldn't surprise me if he gets drafted, uh, but I'm not sure that he's really, you know, once you get past Jamie Newman to an extent, but for sure Mac Jones, I think everyone else here, Felipe Franks included. It's really about jockeying for day day three draft positioning, not even day two. Let me
0: let me go back to that about Ian Brooke because you know a lot of the undersized quarterbacks tend mm-hmm. to kind of be people that in the scouting process we are you know it's easier for us to say like they don't they don't look the part they don't the measurables aren't there right. Um, he says he watches Breeze and Russell Wilson a lot in, in that NFL network interview that he did with a mm-hmm. DJ and company. And, and I thought, okay, that tells me everything about you in terms of like what kind of quarterback you are from a size standpoint without knowing much more than that. Um, is it, is it possible? Is that a harder situation to evaluate because of the size thing? And we've seen people kind of prove us wrong in that department.
2: Yeah. So I think size is, is one of those things at quarterback where, So that's considered, um, that's considered a team will make allowances, right? So Mm -hmm. this is going to be, you, you may make an allowance at certain positions or for certain things, but you don't want a team full of, you know, a a team full of allowances where you have so many guys who don't hit your standards. If he's not going to hit your size standard, he better hit your arm talent standard. Okay. Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, um, if he's not going to hit your size standard, he better hit your mobility standard. Right, I would say arm and mobility go to Kyler Murray. So you have to have something special with Drew Brees. He had a good arm coming out of Purdue, but he had he had a great intellect and a great feel for the game. And more was asked of him back then than than is asked of guys now. Now he is a good athlete. I mentioned that before. He can he can run and he is a a tough shifty athlete. Who can do some things on the ground. And especially when he gets in a red zone, I just worry that, you know, my dad's a, a former NFL coach and he always told me, anybody that you draft, you better be ready to play. So you better think about them on the field for you. Unless are they're you, a Packers quarterback. Yeah, unless you're just, a Packers just quarterback. Kidding. And they all yeah. they all stay <laughs> backups for life. I'm just but, kidding, um, not to interrupt, yeah. No, but I mean, so if you, if you ask yourself that question about Ian Book, how would he do for us? as a backup if he had to come in. You know, I, I just I don't know how the answer is because he's not going to check some of the boxes that are kind of important uh to teams. Now, you know, having a guy like that on your team, if you draft him, you might want to have a special package for him where you say, well, look, we're going to use him in some short yardage stuff where we can do some zone read or things like that. So um, but you know, in today's NFL, it's just, it's such a tricky thing. It's such a tricky evaluation because with teams using more RPOs and more college-based offensive schemes, you know, you really do have to – it's harder to project them into an NFL offense. You just need to say, can they play? Because more and more offensive coordinators are younger, and they're saying, hey, let's do what this guy does. You know, let's give him a chance. We liked him when he did this, so let's do that. Let's do what he does, and and let's stick elements of that into uh, our offense. So, you know, we'll see. I think Book will get – draft that I'm just not as high as like DJ starting to come around on him a
0: little, I think. Yeah. The quarterbacks that are not at the senior bowl, and I know we're here primarily to talk about the guys that are, but uh it's been interesting this week as mock drafts, you know, 1.0 have started coming out. And uh where do you come down on the Zach Wilson, Justin Field, Trey Lance situation? Cause it seems like everybody's in on on uh Trevor as you know, the number one quarterback in the class, but it feels like there's a lot of maybe split decision as far as who comes after him based on what you've seen. Who do you like the best?
2: Yeah. So I finished writing all of them. Trevor's the clear cut. Number one. It is really going to be intriguing how teams see this because Zach Wilson has a lot of arm talent. He can make some really tough throws on the move. He's going to impress you with some wow tape more so than, than Justin Fields will. Justin has some wow moments, especially as a as a play extender. But Zach Wilson has the wow flash with the arm talent and some of the throws he makes. My problem with with Zach Wilson was the 2020 tape looked fantastic, and on the surface you say, okay, well let's go with that. But when you go back and look at the 2019 interceptions, um, the, the the throws that should have been interceptions, and you go through his you know, through his heat map from a passing standpoint, you start to see some concerns and you say, well, you know, he may have gotten better from 19 to 20. And Yeah, I think he did get better from 19 to 20. But he also played a much easier schedule in 2020 than he did in 2019. When you watch tape, you'll see throws that he will have to make in the NFL that he passes up on them to go all the way down the field and hit the deep ball. And look, he, he averaged over 10 yards uh, uh, per pass. I mean, it was it was monster numbers. But there are some throws that he took that he shouldn't have – he should have taken easier throws. And when he, he faced his very best competition of the year in Coastal Carolina, he was not that impressive. And so that concerns me a little. When you're throwing a bunch of jump balls and your guys are so much bigger than the, the, the defensive players that are covering them and you're playing a weaker schedule, you should have 33 touchdowns to, to three interceptions. You know, you should dominate that level of competition. And he did. So you have to give him credit. Now, in full disclosure, I've got a boom bust grade on him, which is considered a 6.5, but that's also going to be higher than Justin Fields just by a little bit, and Trey Lance just by a little bit. I think Trey Lance, if you were to ask me who has the best opportunity to get the closest to, to, to Trevor Lawrence by the time five years into a career, I think it's actually Trey Lance. Huh. And and here's the reason why. He is brilliant from the standpoint of setting his protections, of understanding the game. They ask more of him at North Dakota State. They ask him. I'm turning around here on my board, and you can't see it on the blackboard, but in the background, it talks about, I talked to his quarterback coach, and he told me what he does on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. There's different types of, of film cut-ups that he has to watch and prepare for that I don't think most teams ask their quarterbacks to go through that. He's a full-field reader. He's big. He's athletic. And, but right now, he's not a chance-taker. And at some point, he's got to get some gunslinger in his game because you have to you, you have to balance out the being careful with the football with the ability to bet big and win big. And so one year at North Dakota State doesn't tell me enough on tape, but the traits and the talent – They're all there, and the intelligence and the football IQ are all there. And so I think he's going to have a head start at the combine. And this is the guy, Lindsey, keep this in mind. I think this is the guy that's going to shoot up the boards. I think Trey Lance is going to be the one that somebody falls in love with, maybe Atlanta at four, and says, we'll keep Matt Ryan for a year, and we'll let this kid keep learning because we think he's got the highest upside of Zach Wilson and Fields and Lance. I think he's going to be the guy that people get most excited about.
0: That's interesting. Some I'm looking at Daniel Jeremiah's first mock draft, and he does have the Falcons taking Lance mm. at number four. And that jumped out at me because I think there's a lot of talk about Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, you know, which of those two guys. And then all of a sudden you have Lance popped in there ahead of Fields in his mock draft. He's got the Lions taking Fields at number seven. So uh, I think I, Fields is going
2: to be the fourth quarterback off the board. Really? Yeah, I think Mac Jones, the fifth. But if field starts to fall a little bit, Mac Jones, because you just mentioned the June Jones thing, it only takes one uh, team to fall in love with a quarterback. And if that's the case, you know, if they say, hey, this guy's a special talent from a standpoint of recognizing coverages and we've got really good receivers. And, you know, if the situation is right and a team really, really likes the mental makeup, you know, he could fall in love with them. We saw it with Daniel Jones and the Giants. Uh, a lot of people thought he was going to be further back in the draft. I did. But that connection where people, you knew the Giants felt like this is another Eli. This is another Eli. There's too many connections here. And they fell in love. And before you know it, you know, he was the sixth quarterback of the draft.
0: It's funny, too, because we're sitting here talking about a mock draft that I assume will look very different after free agency. We we're talking about so many moving parts at the quarterback position. And we just talked to Joel Corey about that. So uh, these teams might not be picking where we're projecting them to pick. And there right. are a lot of quarterback needy teams that we're projecting to take quarterbacks right now that might not actually be in the market for a quarterback when it comes time to draft these players. What about Najee Harris at the Senior Bowl and the fact that he is participating against the wishes of his agents? Yeah. Love what, it. Do you, what do you make of that?
2: Love it. Teams are going to love the what he is doing is the it's, it's the antithesis of what we see with in basketball with load management for young players who don't even play that much. They need load management, opt outs of bowl games, opt outs of seasons. Um, And I understand different people have different reasons, but one of the things we're seeing is a guy who says, no, I love ball. I want to, I want to play ball. This is, this is what I love to do. And I think a lot of people really tend to characterize a lot of young players as none of these guys want to play. They don't want to work. They just want the money. And there's still a lot of players just like Najee Harris who love ball, who want to get out there and play, and who love to compete. And I I think that that gets lost sometimes, that there's plenty of guys who are like that in the league. And I think people like to to paint a pretty broad brush with the young football players coming in today. But I think that Najee Harris is what he's telling teams as, at first we thought he was going to be there to to learn the Dolphins' way. The Dolphins have a second – first round mm-hmm. pick. And I think that's very smart. I think it's shrewd to show the dolphins this I'm about, this is what I'm about. I'm about football because not only is he showing the dolphins, he's showing the Carolina Panthers practice uh, or Carolina P- Panthers staff. And so the dolphins with the 18th pick, they happen to need a running back. We know that, that, that wide receiver could be on the docket at number three with potentially Devonte Smith. Mm-hmm. I just think it's smart to show teams, Hey, I'm here to compete. And, it will answer any questions about like you had any. I mean, Najee Harris is the most about it player at the running back position. Uh, well, along with Javante Williams, I think, you know, but Najee, you know exactly what he's all about. And nobody, Lindsay, to me at the running back position, has elevated their draft stock more from the summer to right now than Najee Harris. He's shown his pass catching. He's, he's gotten, frankly, more agile as a runner and – you really can improve your stock when you go back to school sometime. And he absolutely did that.
0: Do you think that that's why Devonte Smith is there for the same reason that you mentioned about the Dolphins with them having that number three pick and needing a wide receiver and him maybe needing to create some separation or, or convince them that he's the guy and not Jamar Chase?
2: I think so. I think he's another one who Nick Saban, you know, may have said, hey, I think it'd be a great idea for you to go out there and, worst-case scenario, learn the Miami elements of the Miami offense. It gives you a head start. You never know with COVID if you may have some stuff shut down in the summer, some learning processes which shut down. It gives you a chance to interview with them, and it gives you a better chance of being a third pick than a Jamar Chase. Um, that's smart. They understand that. and So I think that was probably conveyed to him. But he's another one, though, that really, really loves football. And I had someone on the Alabama staff tell me, that it's basically impossible for him to fail f- for anything off the field. Like football, the care any character concerns, personal or football-wise, you're not going to find him with him because he's that, he's that kind of person. He's that kind of football player. And this is a chance for the Miami Dolphins to see that in a person. But it's also a chance for for him to get a head start on the Miami offense because I'm sure he feels confident that hey, you know. I deserve to go worst-case scenario number three. Worst-case he scenario. Go. Hey, That's just because everyone's projecting him there. I mean, frankly, the Jets could use a, a wide receiver as well. He's going to carry a higher grade than any of these quarterbacks. Quarterbacks may get drafted higher right. yeah. than him, but his grade, my grade on him, is higher than any quarterback not named Trevor Lawrence. That's a no-brainer.
0: Is it higher than Chase's grade?
2: Yes, I've got Devontae Smith ahead of uh, Chase, but I also had Devontae ahead of Chase after the summer just because Jamar Chase, he's still got some football to learn. He's still got the – what you see is what you get with Devontae Smith. He's pretty polished, so I don't think he's going to get a lot better than what he is now, which is a fantastic wide receiver. Jamar Chase is going to get better. He's got great size. He's got phenomenal acceleration and really good ball skills. So um, when you see Jamar Chase, you can nitpick some of the route running and things like that and he didn't play this year. But ultimately, the physical traits would tell you Jamar Chase is the guy you should bet on. That's usually how NFL teams look at it. But once you have Devontae Smith's tape and toughness and, you know, all of a sudden weighing 170 pounds doesn't matter quite as much when you see everything that he was able to do. And on top of it, he returned a punt for a touchdown, just kind of as a a cherry on the – the, right. the top of the Sunday for the Heisman Trophy.
0: What about Kadarius Toney from Wide Receiver, who a uh, great senior bowl story. is mom, he's from Alabama nearby. Mm-hmm. Mom went into labor at the 99 senior bowl. So, I mean, this is a guy who was, like, born to play in the Senior Bowl. (laughs) uh, Told NFL Network that he patterns his game after Camara, which I think uh, will open up a lot of ears and eyes. Like, that's interesting. We'd love a Camara. What do you see in his game? And what have you seen from him on tape this week?
2: Yeah, he's had a great week. And uh, it's not surprising. When you look at his growth from last year to this year, from Uh a route running standpoint, Uh, from an understanding of body positioning and how to move on the field. He does a lot of freestyle stuff. So it's like what we call basketball athleticism, which is a good thing. He's got the ability to be free-flowing, and it's hard to to predict. Like you have Calvin Ridley and and Devontae Smith are going to run very precise routes at angles, and that's great because when they stay on top of their game, they're really tough to beat from a route running standpoint, but there's other guys who run routes that can be very difficult too, because they are so free flowing that they can be very, very difficult to, to, to predict and to recognize patterns. And Kadarius Tony is one of those guys. He's got this rare cutting ability to, to create very sharp, almost acute angles Hmm. when he comes, gets out of the break. And I saw him on tape. I put it on Twitter. He did this inside pivot move, which you don't usually see this. He he he's in the left slot, Lindsay, and he he runs out towards the flat a little bit, and then he sticks his left foot in the ground and pivots inside and gains about two and a half yards of instant separation from the man coverage. And it's like that's just not even fair. And this is what he has learned to do this year. He still takes too many steps and does just too much at the break point. But coaches, that's the I made a big mistake in Tyreek Hill when I assessed him. I thought, wow, he's just not a very good route runner. He does blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, what NFL people will tell you is running, learning to run routes more crisp and efficiently, as long as you have the athletic ability and the agility to do it, that's one of the easiest things to do. Hmm. And so any Kadarius-Tony issues with, well, his route running is this, that, or the other, you don't even worry. Because you know he has the ability to get much better, and he already got better this year. I think he's still getting better and better and better. So, big week for him. This uh, big year for him, and then he's really continuing the momentum with a big week in, uh, in in senior bowl at Mobile. Where do you project him roughly? Well, so you know he on on paper he has pretty good size, but when you look at him, he feels a little bit smaller. But he, I think speed is going to be big for him. If he can break a four-five, I think he could end up at the back end of the first. I really do. If he doesn't break a, a four a four-five, if he is in the if he's quicker than fast, which I think he will break a four-five, but if he's quicker than fast, let's say he's a four-five-one, I think he'll fall into the second round. But either way, he's going to be a top. I would say a top forty to forty-five pick with a chance to go up into the uh, into the twenties potentially because that's. You know, he just really um, showed an ability to hit explosive plays from the slot, and that's such a that's such a big advantage in today's NFL.
0: I think one of my favorite things to watch from a practice standpoint at the mm-hmm. Senior Bowl is the one on ones between the offensive line and the defensive line, just because it's such an obvious. Like there's a winner, you know, one of them clearly got around and is in position to sack the quarterback or did not get a chance to do that. And so it's, it's fun to really gauge the, uh, you know, top talent versus top talent aspect in these one-on-ones who stood out to you in, in those practices.
2: As an offensive line coach's son, let me first say, (laughs) this is heavily skewed to the defensive line. They get to use two way goes. It's not, it's not really fair. To the offensive line, and offensive line usually gets worn out on day one most of the time, and in day two they start to get some things figured out. Once they get, coached. I
0: saw a lot of O line wins on day I two. Did. And
2: with all that said, I think the the offensive line for the uh, on the national side has has had a lot of wins, and actually more so than usual. The offensive line on both on both sides had more wins. I agree with you. Um, It's usually in the and some of it is I think the defensive talent is okay this year. That is at the Senior Bowl. But the online group has really done a nice job, and there's a lot of really impressive athletes. One guy that stands out to me is uh, Quinn Miners.
0: I was going to let you say his last name.
2: Yeah, it's Quinn Miners. Uh, I'm glad somebody. I'm glad Andrew Siciliano said it first, so I could learn it. But Quinn Miners is um, he's had a phenomenal week from uh, Wisconsin Whitewater. Very powerful, very strong, built like a, a you know a beer truck driver. Totally <laughs> built like a bouncer, just. Or a yeah. strongman you might see on ESPN late at night throwing kegs over a Absolutely, over a that's wall. a good call.
0: Yeah, for those of you who have not actually seen any of the video elements from senior bowl practice, he wears a cutoff, yeah. and he has a rather large belly.
2: Oh, yeah. No, he tucks it in. He tucked his jersey under his pads because he wants you. He's That's how about that life he is. Like, offensive <laughs> linemen around the country – or, or just have found a new favorite guy right? without question. He's and a that's, hero. And that's a kind of a sexy stomach to me. I mean, but like I said, that's a different – I see okay. things differently than you do. But I'm like, that's the way it's supposed to look. It's supposed to look like Quinn It's Myers. like dad bod times 10. Oh, Let's bring yeah. it back. You don't want your – if your offensive lineman doesn't have a little bit of dad bod, you're like, ooh, he may get pushed around. You know, you need to – well, maybe a little more definition than dad bod. Uh, so Quinn Miners has had a really, really good week. Uh, another guy who's had a, a little bit of an up-and-down week has been Aaron Banks from Notre Dame. When it's good, it's really good. When it hasn't been good, that's kind of what happens with 330-pound players. It can be a little bit rough because the balance issues can be a problem. Uh, Spencer Brown has had a disappointing couple of practices from Northern Iowa, and I want to mention that because I'm really high on his potential. He's one of the toughest guys out there, but he's about six foot eight. And so when you have really tall players, this is a bad week for you because he didn't play this year at North Dakota State. uh, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, at uh, Northern Iowa. He didn't play because his conference opted out of football. So he didn't play. He stayed with the team instead of transferring, uh, getting in the transfer portal and being a graduate transfer. He wanted to hang with his guys and show loyalty to the program that wanted him when no one else did. Um, I like his potential a lot. But when you're at the Senior Bowl, and this is your one big chance and you're a little bit rusty and you need to get a little stronger mm-hmm. uh and it's a step up in competition weeks like this can hurt your 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 draft standing and so uh he may have some re- rehabilitating to do but i still especially like especially when you
0: have guys like quinn miners who is in the same boat right and, and he also sells. didn't play this year and he's coming yeah. out of d3 and d3. he's kind of dominating so yeah
2: yeah that's a great point and i mean he really did dominate i mean he absolutely dominated so that's that's something to consider. Creed Humphrey, I think, has done a nice job. The center from uh, Oklahoma, he's two-time team captain, undisputed leader over there. He was, as a freshman, he was one of the best offensive linemen on a, on an offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award for best uh, college offensive line uh, two years ago. When 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 you had uh, Kyler Murray winning the Heisman Trophy Award. So he's been highly regarded, fell off a little in 2019, but really came back with a much stronger year in 2020. On the American side, from an offensive line uh, standpoint, I think guys who have shined a little, Dan Moore Jr. from Texas A&M has really done a nice job. Um, Alex Leatherwood from from Alabama, and this is a great example of the coaches clearly got to him. When you watch his tape, he would open his hips early, and and probably that's the way they handle pass protection at Alabama because his quarterback wasn't very deep. He was actually fairly shadow, uh, shallow and got rid of the ball quickly. So that's not a good look for the pass protection drill. So the coaches coached him up, and he was much better in day two than he was in coached day one. Coached him up this
0: week, you mean? And he took that this coaching yeah. and turned it around? Oh, yeah,
2: just day to day. It's it, The difference is night and day, literally from one practice to the next. Hmm. And that happens actually quite frequently. And then a guy that I was actually kind of down on, and this is what I love, is when I have to go back and – and check the tape and say, and I'm not afraid to, to be wrong about a player. I mean, I actually prefer it because I like when guys prove me wrong and I say, okay, let me go back and look. Did I miss this? Because he's playing against better competition and doing really well. And that's Deontay Smith. He's a tackle from East Carolina. And I knew he was very, very athletic. I didn't think he was strong enough. But now, you know, he ended up opting out at some point in the season, started working out uh, for the Senior Bowl hey, he may have really hit the weights, really worked on technique, and really tightened it up as a player. So I got to go back and say, look, maybe the guy that I saw on tape at East Carolina is not the same guy that's here at the Senior Bowl. I got to believe that the Senior Bowl guy is more than likely the player who's going to be going into the NFL. So I thought Deontay Smith, at least for me, from East Carolina, uh, really, really helped himself. So that's another guy that that uh, that I liked a lot. And I, th- I think that he really uh, did a good job of helping himself. And then I'd say Trey Smith from uh, Tennessee. He's a big wide body. My dad was watching some of the uh, workouts. I got him, you know, an old line coach just can't get away from it. And he's working with one of the players here. And so I got him the, the the coaching tape and he called me up and Hey, who's this 67? I said, oh. That's Deontay Smith. So, and then he said, when well, 73 from Tennessee, I liked that he did this, that, and the other. And he go, and you know, and he brought up Alex Leatherwood, the same thing I saw. So Listen, people who are evaluators, they see it very quickly on tape, and, and it's that's how quickly you can make an impression. Somebody just turned the tape on for the first time, and, and they watched you – know, my dad, who's a line coach, watches pass protection from day one to day two, and he's already getting excited about different players. So uh, you can imagine what NFL evaluators and coaches are yeah. going to say.
0: Yeah. What about tight ends? Are there any tight ends down there that have stood out to you, or should we Hunter move on to the defense? Long is the
2: best – uh, it's, a, it's 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 going to be a it's going to be kind of a disappointing year for tight ends in the draft, I think. But Hunter Long has been the best. He's got good size. He's a good athlete from Boston College. This is kind of made for for the athletic big tight end because they're going to get matched up on safeties and sometimes linebackers. And he's a good pass catcher. He's he's more of a pass catching tight end than a blocking tight end. But he's got blocking tight end size, so it's a big advantage for him because he's bigger than the guys he's going up against. And and really. This type of format is going to show off Hunter Long. And he's taken advantage of it and really helped himself out.
0: On the defensive side of the ball, you mentioned that it was maybe a little bit of a down year on the defensive line. Uh, we saw that in the mm-hmm. one-on-ones. Is there a position group that is the strongest down there in Mobile on the defensive side?
2: Uh well, you know, from team to team, I think it's a little different. I, I like the defensive line a little bit better um on the American side okay. than I did the national side. So you know, it, it can be. I didn't love the defensive side on the national side, but on the American side, there were some defensive linemen that I think were a little better. I think from a pre- position standpoint, actually, there's some pretty good running backs. Um, the wide receivers I think have a big advantage over the cornerbacks. The so cornerbacks would not be that position for me this year. And linebackers, unfortunately, I think some of the better linebackers, a couple of them opted out of the Senior Bowl, and, and a couple, you know, just can't play because of a lingering injury. So this is. There's some guys playing linebacker right now that I think are not going to be uh, that are not going to be big time prospects. Now, I do think safety is is pretty good, and there are a couple of corners. Uh, Robert Rochelle from Central Arkansas has done a nice job. Um, Aaron Robinson from Central Florida and Richie Grant from Central Florida, uh, safety and, and cornerback, uh, to me have stood out a, a little bit as well, and then. I'd say on the national team from a, a defensive back standpoint, you know, it's it's a little bit light. I mean, they've really, honestly, Trey Brown from Oklahoma. He's, he's short, but he's extremely tough and extremely physical. And in the one-on-one drills, you know, he's used to playing bigger wide receivers, so he's not afraid to get in your face and make it uncomfortable for corners. They let a little bit more, I mean, for wide receivers, they let a little bit more go in some of these one-on-ones. And so on those comeback routes, I mean, he is just squatting on them and really making it difficult. So I think he's actually had um, a good week as well. But overall, uh, you know, it's it's the offense is having a big advantage over the defense this week in general, I would say, with with a couple different exceptions.
0: Is that typical or is that specific to the talent that's down
2: there this year? Yeah, it's, it's really just this year. Um, sometimes the defensive line is substantially better than the offensive line. You just don't know what you're going to get. And with this year, um, some of the guys who would normally be here are not here. And so it's just kind of been a fluid situation. So um, I do like – but, you know, on tape there are some things that I like about some of the the linebackers that, um, that are here. I just think from the matchups they have right now, it's just not as good on the defensive side. I could go on and on about the offensive side and wide receivers, yeah. defensive side. You know, just this is just one of those years. It's just not going to. It's not going to happen here at the Senior Bowl for the defenses.
0: So, Lance, tell me how you weight the game performance in comparison to the practices.
2: So that's a great question, especially this year. Usually teams don't put a lot into it, but because I'm watching national practices and I don't love the test that. um the offensive line is getting from the defensive line. But then I look over here on the American side and I see some defensive linemen that are a little stronger or a little faster, or a little longer. I'm really excited to see how the national side offensive line matches up with the, uh, the American side defensive line. So that's one of those things where I actually, for the first time, I am interested in the game. I'm usually not, <laughs> I usually get what I need from the practices right. this year. Um, And you know, Lindsay, as you mentioned previously, we don't have a combine to go back on. We may not have a lot of pro day stuff that I'm going to be able to see. So there's going to be added interest in the game this year. I really do think that's going to be the case in performance of game. So, and and in some of these players, let's face it, they don't have a lot of game tape this year. They have played some have no game tape. Some have no game tape. Yeah. Nico Collins from from Michigan, wide receiver. I got to see how Nico Collins does. As they say, when the bullets are flying, like how how do you perform under stress when the pass rush is real and they got to get it out and you've got to get separation quickly um, and play for a full year? So how is Nico Collins going to do? How is Spencer Brown from Iowa State going to do? Is Quinn Miners, is this going to translate into game action? You know, these are all things that you want to see. These are all
0: really good points. Lance Sirline, thank you so much. Look forward to maybe checking back in with you at some point a little bit further down the draft road. Okay. I'll be in
2: I'll be in my rabbit hole. I'll be here watching tape, so let me know. I'm,
0: I'm I always love here. it. And for those of you who want to watch the Senior Bowl game, that is on NFL Network Saturday, 230 Eastern. And we will be back here next Tuesday with a look ahead to the Super Bowl. Have a great weekend, everybody.